how do we build a toolbox that helps us figure out how we sustain love wherever we might be? Yeah, and like what are some of the practices that are transferable across different types of love relationships? You know, because I think that that's one of the things that, one of the things I think is interesting is to consider um, what are the practices that support sustaining love regardless of the nature of the relationship? bi-curious flower child and anti-white dreads blacktivist living on Dakota and Anishinaabe land, currently known as Minneapolis. And I'm Adrian Marie Brown, president of the Azogi Erotic Fan Fiction Book Club, writer of stories and songs, emergent strategist, pleasure activist, and I'm living on the lands of the Shikoris, Garure, Tuscarora, and Lumbee peoples. And this is how to survive the end of the world, bitches. <laughs> Our podcast about learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. Hey, Ooh. girl. Hey. Let me see your nails. Hold on. Look what I did. Ooh. They're orange and glitter. I love it. They're orange and glitter. And mm. I was feeling very inspired. I, I've actually been inspired by you because I feel like you always show up with a nail. This is Ooh, that's this nice. Is, this is yeah. my self-care. I'm actually about to get them done again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so I've been getting them done more often. And a few times ago, someone paid for me. Someone, someone. Um, Tell this story. Yeah, it was really sweet. I was in there. I was, I got my nails done. I wasn't feeling, I was having like kind of a low day. And there was this actually this really, this pair of people that I was like, they look cool. They would look, they look like friends or something like I would know mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and um and then at the, and then at some point they came up and introduced themselves and they were two organizers from song southerners on new ground oh, so I was like oh yes. yay like my my organizer radar is still popping yes um and they were so sweet and then they left and I stayed I was getting this like extravagant nails done because I was heading to a wedding Mm-hmm. One of the movement weddings of the century, Charlene Carruthers and Mary Hooks's wedding. Um, truly. Truly a magnificent wedding, color purple theme. But <laughs> so I was like, go, and then I went to check out and they were like, oh, those organizers, they paid for your all your services, everything you got today. And it was just like, wow. I started crying. Wow. <laughs> I was just like so wow. moved. And so now every time I go in, I'm just like, is there someone here whose service I can add to my to mine when I'm checking yeah. out? That's very it looks thoughtful. like they could use that. And it's, mm-hmm. well, it's just fun, right? Because it's just like, I know how this feels. Yeah. <laughs> it's big. Yeah. You just get to give the gift and walk away. Yeah. And just um, be like, okay. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so nails. Nails. You know. Okay. Other than your nails. Mm. How are you doing? How are you, my sister? Well, I'm doing good. I finally just <laughs> made the call. How are you doing? How are you doing? Um, I fi- I'm doing <laughs> doing good. So I finally I was planning to drive down and see our parents this weekend oh, yeah. in our southern roots places, um, but they a hurricane basically is between us. So yeah, and yep. I kept <laughs> making and, its know, way it's towards like, you. Yeah, I was just like I think <laughs> like I kind of kept having that moment, you know, where I was like I think. 
I think I can do it. Like, I'll just have to drive into the hurricane. And mom was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like one of those moments where mom's like maternal instinct fails her. <laughs> because like, because my she maternal wants to need see you. is higher than my maternal instinct right now. <laughs> so, yes, drive through a hurricane. So it was really sweet because I felt like I was just like, wow, you really love me. You love me, love me. Um, but then, yeah, I just I I woke up really early this morning. I went for my swim. And the rain is already torrential downpour here. Wow. And the drivers are really bad and all of that. And I was just like, I don't want to hop on the road and do this for hours and hours and hours Mm -hmm. while it gets worse and worse. No. So I feel proud of myself for making a really good call. Good. Um, And I feel really excited about this conversation we're about to have. So I feel good. I'd like... I'm really excited to see what we single ladies have to say about sustaining love. So, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. So put your um, hands up. That's up in the club. Just, just broke go up. up. <laughs> I was like, actually, <laughs> you decided to dip. Now I want to trip because okay. another fellow mm. noticed me. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. That's um, so. That's how I am. I just want to. I do want to say. I had a really great week of waking up like between six and seven every morning and going to swim like before the rest of my day started. And and it was awesome. Like it was like it changes (laughs) my day completely to be like I swam. So what what are you trying to bring? What what, was this day? What did you do before 8 a.m.? Because I exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not comparative. It's just truly like life bring what you will in my direction because uh, I, I can handle I see, I see. it. I'm the kind of person who wakes up and gets my swim in <laughs> and like I can do the rest from there. So, yes. Yeah. Good but job. My, I did not do my hair, though. So it's like one or the other. It's like either I'm having a great swim week or a great hair yeah. week. But rarely I mean, do the two overlap. You know, chlorine is a way of doing your hair. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no. It's a, it's well, a way. It's doing something to your hair. It's a way of <laughs> doing it for sure. All right. So, how are you, my sister? I'm good. I'm good. I um, it's Friday. I'm Friday. so grateful. I'm great. I'm having one of those weeks where I'm. I often don't mm. feel the like it's Friday, but like mm-hmm. I'm having one of those weeks where I am really feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um. And, but I had a really good week start to finish. My week Mm. began with um, my first ever experience of solo performing original music, um, commissioned music. It was like, I was so proud of myself. I was so proud of of myself because I was. Your song is gorgeous. Thank you. Can you you. sing it for us? Like not right. I mean, but like or yes. Rec- so okay. yes, at some point, <laughs> like, at some point, yeah. I will. I will. I think um, actually we should build to this. We should we should tease our audience yes, with like the it. fact tease that it. original music is coming to you all from yeah. us at some point yeah. when we want to give it to you. Yeah, and maybe actually we release it only to patrons. Um, <gasps> You're so <such> actually. <laughs> I know. Actually, this is a good segue into um, reminding people about how you can sign up to become. A patron of our show. We haven't. Okay, like let me just say we haven't I'm decided. Down. I, I am just doing this right now. Adrian and I yeah. and Zach have not no. decided that that music, original music, is going to be one of the 
one of I the just love tiers. how quickly that just like I was, was just like, like wait a minute how do we monetize this I got okay. it but <laughs> <laughs> look um, the music is good that's what I'm saying it's yeah, really good I'm not a capitalist I'm an entrepreneur and <laughs> anyway the fact that manure is in that word makes me so happy it's not manure it's entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> okay okay yeah but Spelling. you hear the manure don't you you I you do now I, now I do yeah. I'd never heard it before <laughs> Anyway, yeah, every word um, related to capitalism has shit in it somewhere. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just right. a friendly reminder, sign up to become a patron and you might get some things. <laughs> but back to my check-in. Um, <laughs> I am so I proud you. of myself for, uh, yeah, confronting my fears and like... What um, were your fears? Well, you know, my fear, a lot of my... F- I, I have a... Um, long, for a long time as an adult, I have struggled with stage fright which was something that did not happen to me until I was an adult. Um, I grew up performing and never really struggled with... You weren't scared when you were younger? No. I finally, I recently finally made a connection as to what what in my adult early, what was going on in my early 20s that resulted in me having so much stage fright and performance anxiety and it actually had to do with um, harm that I was experiencing in my personal life. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I finally that made the connection. So I was like, oh, this stage fright yeah. set in right around the same time that these things started happening in my life wow. that then carried on for years and years. And okay, so, patterns. yeah, patterns. I was like, oh, that explains why I have had all this like, yeah. you know, sort of constraining myself and constraining my creative expression and not believing in my own voice or not believing in mm. the power of what I have to offer. Ha ha. And so, so it wow. was really helpful because then on Monday night, I remember having this thought where I was like, I'm not even going to let myself get scared. You know why? Cause that fear isn't even fucking mine. I won't Ooh. let myself get scared today. I'm not going to let myself get scared about this. I'm just going to go and offer what I have and let I didn't it, even know you could be like, no fear. Um, yeah. I'm not choosing you today. Yeah. Well, and it's like <laughs> some awesome. level, what's cool is like some level of nervousness is obviously like when, when we get to choose to put ourselves in like a higher risk situation and yeah. feel nervous in that way. It's aliveness. Exactly. It's kind of, it's fun. But for yeah. me, like I would experience this just like, you know, it would just petrify me, you know, like this kind of anxiety and fear around live performance that literally stopped me in my tracks from doing something that had just been a part of my person for all of my life, wow, you know? Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so I did it on Monday night and it felt awesome. And it was just like, yeah, of course, <sighs> of course I'm loving this because this is who I am. Like exactly. who I am is someone who has like a very big, voice and a very big presence and yeah I have a lot of big ideas and so yes. that is the right setting for a me <laughs> you know but what I'm me. saying but a me you yeah. look the um, roots go deeper than the fear that's what I'm hearing you say and I yes. love that yes oh I like that I really like that that's a bar that's a, bar. That's a t-shirt mm-hmm. um <clears throat> for you entrepreneur um <laughs> so <laughs> entrepreneur <laughs> so um, this is actually going to slow us right stop. into my flume of awe. Never. Um, it's going to take us into the flume of awe. Flume of awe. My flume of awe. My flume of awe. My flume of awe. My flume of awe. Let's flip away. The thing I'm feeling 
all about right now is so for my birthday well you, as you know I'm also working on original music right we're having this season of sisters making original songs sisters and music right? that we got and, show to you and we are show tune house like we grew up watching musicals dancing singing together we had costumes we mm-hmm. took tap dance we took ballet we took modern we took hip hop we took every any kind of way of dancing tap dancing we were in plays we were in musicals like Mm-hmm. In our house, it, it was kind of extra, and like even we if you we were like on a road trip, it's like us like lip syncing to Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, yes. <laughs> and you yes. knocking so, me down in the process. I knew that you were gonna say that, and I'm so glad that you did. Yes, I was like, there's no way, there's no way we can touch on that and let it With, just be without a good the injury. Drink. The injury is present, <laughs> <laughs> but also I've come so far. So my flume of awe is. <laughs> that you have you really have come so far i've come so far um (laughs) my flume of awe is that so now i'm singing again and like similarly stage fright took over at some point in my life Mm -hmm. and a real sense of doubting my voice of doubting that like i could trust my voice and you know if you don't trust something it becomes untrustworthy right so i was like oh i feel totally secure singing along to songs I feel absolutely secure singing by myself in my house. Right. But then if I'm around certain people who like, you know, are like, oh, I have a perfect pitch ear or something like that. then I'm like, oh, you know, like Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. and Nina Simone, we don't have perfect pitch. We just sing. And (laughs) I have been like writing all my songs and all this stuff. And there's been like, I had a process of being like, you know, what would actually bring me joy is to just sing again and to see what my voice is up to like Mm -hmm. I actually don't know my voice you know I've spent years using my voice to facilitate and um, do interviews and give speeches and other stuff but like not you know like performing songs no so yeah I called well first I told y'all in my family that I was like I really want a keyboard so that I can sit in my house and like have a way to play and I found the most gorgeous keyboard that is like it is the most beautiful, wooden, gorgeous, modern, sleek. I mean, it just like it's every time I walk by it, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. girl, you are bad. Bitch. It looks, you are it looks so like fine. it does look like a piece of art. It's a piece of art that's also like art. makes art. And so and when I'm sitting at it, we're it's just a one big artistic extravaganza. Mm-hmm. And then I called um, my old voice teacher from 25 years ago. Um, and was like, would you be down to do a couple of like, just refresher lessons and, and remind me of like the exercises that are good for my voice. And it was, it's just been like the most tender experience, like both Aww. to see each other again. And as soon as we got on, she was like, now I hear you're talking very low and breathly, breathy. Like maybe if you bring your voice up a little bit that, you know, like put a little, you know, you don't have to do all that. That's wearing your voice down. I was like, what? I didn't even know like, that. But hold on. You can choose what register to talk in. <laughs> that's what I said I was like wait I just talk and she's like well you're way down here <laughs> and it was so hilarious and I was just like I don't even yeah I think that I haven't noticed my voice dropping or I just thought it was inevitable or something um, and you know I had years of like smoking a lot of pot and like doing all these things that would bring the register down but yeah so that was the first thing and then she was like all right let's let's you know, get you on the piano and 
five, three, five, eight, one. And let's, let's do these. And I just started singing again and I was upper E flat, like within a few minutes. And she was like, you still got your range. You still got Um, it, girl. She's like, you still got your range. And what we want to do is just remember like, oh, bring the breath into the right between your eye. You know, here is there's a resonant place that you have right Mm -hmm. here. There's a resonant place in your throat. Sing that from the diaphragm. Remember, you can stand. Remember. And I was like, I do remember. Like, it just was like, I don't know. It just, there was a joy. It was such a joyful experience. And now every day I have to spend 20 minutes on my vocal exercises. And so it's like every day I get to be reminded like, yeah. And, you know, I'll build that up. But she was like, just for now, let's, let's reawaken. And so it's really giving me awe. Part of the awe is that the body is an instrument, like a wind instrument, and I never Mm. get over that, (laughs) that I'm just Mm. like, holy shit, like the thing that keeps me alive, my breath can also be, um, you know, played with in this way over these chords that I'll never see in my life and they make a sound and I get to shape that. I'm in a relationship with it. And I can tune in and be like, open in my temple, open here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it's just wild to me. I'm, just, I'm yeah. like, I'm a freaking flute. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I just love it. I'm like, maybe Lizzo can come blow on me. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Um, Way to just, I'm just take it right there. I'm just shooting shots in every direction. So yes. flume of awe. I love it. I'm having I a lot it. of pleasure oh, as an instrument. So good. <laughs> yes. Um, How about you, you are, sister? You are an instrument. Okay, my an, so are you. We're instruments. We are instruments. Um, <laughs> we are instruments. Um, we are. So, so cool. Speaking of sisters who are instruments and love oh. music and dance, <laughs> we had the ex- we had this cool experience. You and me this yesterday. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. That was knee jerk. I couldn't help uh, myself. Uh, I'm like, what's happening? What's happening right I, now? I couldn't um, Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> just, Audience. It's time that. to turn your mic off, Adrian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk now and I'm going to share my flume of awe. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. man. A- Adrian and I <laughs> got to do a keynote together a dual keynote at the end of the um racial justice summit for the ywca of madison um and they were amazing like what an amazing host what an amazing organization but one of the things that was so cool that's okay you can say that um one of the things that was so cool (laughs) is that we were the closing keynote but the opening keynote was angela and fania davis so they open they the Davis sisters. So they opened with the Davis sisters, closed with the Brown sisters, and I got to attend the opening keynote and just like bask in the experience of watching Angela and Fania talk to each other. And I wanted to bring in this beautiful wisdom um, from Angela Davis um, in response to one of the moderators' questions. So one of the, the moderator asked this question. I'm not going to be able to get the framing exactly right, but she asked a question that was something like, how do you carry the burden of not knowing where your ancestors come from? Mm-hmm. And Angela Davis started talking about remembering how she was saying how, oh, yeah, I, I remember 
the first book I ever saw about the experience of black women in the U.S., which was Gerda Lerner's Black Women in White America. I remember, mm. you know, now there are thousands and thousands of books, but I can remember when I owned every single book that was written about black women. And then wow. she said this thing where she said, our activism wasn't predicated on the knowledge. It was an activism designed to produce the knowledge. So not having information should never be seen as a barrier. Mm-hmm. It's part of the struggle. And I loved, I loved that piece of wisdom for us now. And I was mm-hmm. just like, we have to, fu- like, how do we make this a t-shirt? How do we, what do we, what do we do to spread this? Because, because yeah. we are in this like really polarized movement moment where there's just this, you know, these, what my friend Carrie would call purity tests that are totally rooted in white supremacy, actually, right? Of yep. how people prove themselves to get in the door to movements, but also just this increasing sense of sort of, we're constantly testing to see if people know the right things in order to yes. be here, rather than understanding that, as Angela is saying, that the design of our work should be producing more knowledge and producing and greater and greater understanding of the world around us. And it also had me thinking, I guess the, the other awe for me came in when I had the thought, what are the things that, what are, what are the things in our current reality where there's maybe only one or two books that have been written about them and that 40 years from now, there's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of books written about that. And that's oh. going to be because of the work that we are doing now oh. that we're producing a reality in which people will start to tend to and think about and theorize about and channel work related to those I things. That. I just love any kind of opportunity, especially one gifted to us by an elder, but any kind of opportunity to just really situate yourself in time. I really yeah. appreciate that. Delicious. That that was my that was my flume. Yeah, I love that sister. I love those sisters, and like so I good. really feel great. I can't believe that we get to be overlapping overlapping sisters with them, right? I know. <laughs> like I'm just like wow, the <laughs> this same is event. real. Yeah, and like I yeah I, I love building with them. Mm-hmm. So. We're going to head into our content today, and it's, Here we go. it's really interesting for us. Um, you know, last week we talked about, or last session, we talked about falling in love versus choosing to love, and that really we're not falling. It's a choice that we get to make, and we can make it with a lot of intention. And this week we want to talk about what it means to sustain love, and both romantic love and other kinds of love, like sustaining familial love, sustaining friend love. Like, what does it actually take to make love last, right? Um, And how do you know the conditions are right to fight for that love to last, yeah? Yeah. So we have some wisdom from Bell Hooks, um, who is the guiding ancestor of this season, um, and particularly her work all about love. So do you want to read one of these? Yeah, I'll read the short one, which is, Love is an action, never simply a feeling. Mm -hmm. And then she said, I feel our nations turning away from love, moving into a wilderness of spirit so intense we may never find our way home again. I write of love to bear witness both to the danger in this movement and to call for a return to love. Mm. So 
I like these quotes in relationship to this content because I think that so much of what we're trying to do is unlearn these ideas of love we were given where it's like love is the romantic, swoony, overwhelming feeling that happens that you fall into. And then the story ends, the credits roll right after you commit to each other in some way. And then that's the end of the story. And I feel like what Belle was onto was like, there's a, there's a series of actions, a series of extensions you have to be in and you have to keep coming back to it and Mm -hmm. keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it. And I feel like I've got a lot of skill in this department and a lot of learning edges in this Mm. department. So in some ways, when I look at my own life story, you know, I laugh at myself because I'm like, I'm really good at many things, but not choosing romantic partners. Mm. And I feel like I choose now I fall in love with incredible humans, right? All of them are very unique, very dynamic, very intelligent. Um, There's a lot going on there. Yeah. And yeah, great humans, but not for me, right? Not as and partners so, to you. Not as partners, you know, romantic partners in my life. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening most of the time, uh, but because I come from a long, we come from a long love story, and we're going to try to see if we can get our parents to weigh in here with some wisdom. So we'll see if we can get them. Hi, listeners. Just interrupting here because actually uh, we did ask our family and my mom actually did send a little audio wisdom along for all of us. And I think we should just go ahead and play it for you at the top because it might be the most useful wisdom on sustaining love. Um, Yeah, check it out. Hey, Adrian. I know you asked me for a voice memo on the question of how do you sustain or have sustaining love over the years. I thought about a couple of things. First of all, I know that for us, that in the early years when we're having babies and raising little ones and everything, that it's so important to make time for each other to date. Even if all you, even if you feel like you can't afford it, find a way to make some time for each other You just need that time that it's just the two of you to communicate, talk, hold hands, share a meal, have some fun, whatever that is that you want to do during that time, but make sure you date. Okay, dating is important even when you're married. Okay, the second thing I really think that helps sustain love, and it doesn't matter whether it's in a romantic setting or friendship or any kind of relationship, is forgiveness. Accept when you're wrong, which is not always easy to do, and ask for and give forgiveness. Be willing to do that. We're all human, and so is the person that you're in relationship with. So be willing to say, I'm sorry, and then let it go. Um, I think the true sign of forgiveness is being able to get to where you're not always dragging up the same old thing every time. If you're still bringing up stuff, you haven't forgiven the person, in fact. And sometimes you haven't forgiven yourself. So forgiveness, I think, is uh, key. And, um, and that also is all about communication, all right? Those two things are really, I think, very key in sustaining love over a period of time, okay? All right, I love you, bye. Oh, how sweet was that? Yeah, see, 
She be knowing things. All right. Okay, now back to us. Because I come from this long love story that's like, you just make it work. You do keep going. You stay yeah. in through the hard times and you make it work. Yeah. I get into relationships with people that I'm actually not compatible with. And then I work very hard to sustain that relationship. Yeah. And I'm like, how do I need to contort? What do I need to change about you? Um, how soon do we need to get to therapy? Um, <laughs> how quickly can we diagnose ourselves with all the things that are going on with both of us? And what do we need to be practicing? And I just turn it into um, pretty significant work. And this is what happens in my romantic relationships, but that's not what happens in my other love relationships. Yeah. So I have incredible, long-lasting, decades-long friendships where I have stayed in. We have gone through changes. We have gone through iterations. We have grown together. And we have sustained love very well over lots of change and lots right. of growth. Right. I have um, the relationships I have with each of y'all in my family feel like deep relationships of sustained love. And so I wanted to frame it as, you know, it's like, just because you're good at it in one area, I wanted to <laughs> start up with some vulnerability that's like, that doesn't always mean you know how to do it in every area. Mm-hmm. And how do we build a toolbox that helps us figure out how we sustain love wherever we might be? Yeah. And like, what are some of the practices that are transferable across different types of love relationships? You know, because I think that that's one of the things that, one of the things I think is interesting is to consider um, what are the practices that support sustaining love regardless of the nature of the relationship? And what are, you know, as we talked about in the friend love episode, what are some of the lessons that we can learn from the way that we love and are loved on by our friends that actually could make our romantic relationships better or could make our familial relationships better if we chose to orient to those places um, (laughs) with the same kind of practice? Um, Yeah. I mean, one thing that's so funny that just jumps out to my mind is a lot of my friends a lot of my friends, it, it'll it take a long time before they meet each other because everyone's in different places. Mm-hmm. I have like friends that live in all these different areas. But whenever my friends or my sisters get together with each other, it's like a love fest. Like yes. they also get along and it's all good. So this is something that I feel like I'm learning to pay attention to moving mm-hmm. forward in my life is like the compatibility is not just with me, but with my whole world, right? Like right. any love compatibility would be like, oh, how does that go with my life right right and if you if you have a romantic partner and you Mm -hmm. introduce that person to your friends and your family and it's like immediate no from everyone involved then like what does that mean you know what what does does that mean mean? and like rather than having a rebellious response to that which is my Mm go-to um you know how can i be like oh these are all the people that love me how do i let that in yeah right how do i let how do i trust that um you know, not over trusting myself because a lot of it is like, it's also like learning to trust myself beyond my first impressions or beyond that initial wave of Mm -hmm. emotion. But I do think there's something so important about that piece. But before we go in further into toolbox realm, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you bring into the conversation of sustaining love? Like, where do you feel like are the places where you're like, "Hmm, banging in this area, maybe some places to grow here? Yeah. I mean, I think I... Well, I I bring into the conversation that I was in a 16-year-long partnership. 
Um, and that's such um, a long time. It's a lot. I mean, it is a long time. It's not as long as some people's relationships, obviously, but, um, and I feel a lot of, um, you know, maybe a weird sense of pride in being able to maintain a relationship that, uh, over that duration of time, especially considering some of what happened inside the relationship. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I could, I remember when I walked away, when I finally did walk away, I walked away knowing I did do everything I could, um, to sustain love. Um, and so I do have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts that are informed by that experience mm-hmm. um, and also by the experience of having a, another really significant love relationship that came right on the heels of the 16-year partnership. Um, and I also have thoughts, I think, really related to being a parent. Um, yeah. And, you yeah. know, because this is the my, my children will be the most significant long-term relationship of my life. Yeah. You know, that's right. I mean, that's how I think of it now where it's like, it's like my children, where where are the relationships where for me, there's no opting out ever. Yes. And for me with my children, there is, I, cause, because I don't have an orientation that I would ever reject or disown any one of my children. It means that there is no opting out of that relationship Mm -hmm. ever, 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 no matter what. Um, and so that, that is one of the primary relationships where I do invest a lot of thinking of how do I, how do I maintain as loving of a connection as possible with my children, regardless of, what's happening in their lives or what's happening mm-hmm. in my life or what is unfolding mm-hmm. between us. And I have kind of a, I have a story to share about this in this moment of where I'm, where I feel like I'm at with it right now, where yeah, I yeah. took, I took my kids to therapy yesterday and um, generally my practice is Um, all of my kids see therapists in the same practice and they all see their therapists during the same hour of the week. Um, and generally my practice is that I join one of my kids sessions for the first 15 minutes and another kid session for the last 15 minutes. And with my teenager, I only ever join if he invites me in specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, anyway, so with one of my kiddos, I joined her session and she was mad at me as we were walking into the session because I had told Mm -hmm. her to put away her phone. And she was in the middle of sending one final text message to her bestie and she was really (laughs) upset, really upset about the fact that I was like insisting that she put her phone away. And within five minutes of me getting into the room, she kicked me out of the therapy office. And... um, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'll be in the lobby, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, and I remember like stepping out, going into the lobby, sitting down and then thinking to myself, wow, this kid feels so safe in our relationship. Yes. Like she That's feels right. so safe with me. Like she knows yes. that she can literally look me in the eye glaring and say, can you leave now, mom? During therapy and that there will be no issues 
that there will be yes. no retaliation that she doesn't yeah. have to fear my response at all and in fact she walked out of she walked out of therapy and gave me a huge hug you know what i mean she was fine exactly. by the end of the yeah. session uh-huh. and for uh-huh. me for me that you know i guess that relates to one of the first <laughs> lessons in the toolbox of like how do we sustain love yes. is about cultivating an environment in which the person that we love is not afraid of us. Um, that's right. Right. And so, and I think that that's a lesson that I lean into as a parent, right? That like, it's important for yeah. me. I want my kids to respect me and respect my authority, Always. but Always. I want, but I, it's important to me to cultivate an environment as a parent where my children are not afraid of me or aren't afraid of any of how I might react to something. And I think that that's transferable that it's important to me that my friends not feel afraid of me. It's important to me yes. that a partner not feel afraid of me, that yes. members of my family don't feel, you know, um, any sense of like, well, I don't think Autumn has the ability or capacity to hear this. Yeah. I really, really, really love this piece of the toolbox. So, mm-hmm. and it feels in some way tied to like one of the first things that was on my mind was boundaries. So it's like, there's also like, I don't feel afraid to set a boundary. I don't feel afraid to articulate a boundary. I don't feel afraid to speak a need. Um, I don't feel afraid to negotiate. I don't feel afraid to be myself. And there's that Thich Nhat Hanh quote, which I always feel fine bringing Thich Nhat Hanh in because he and Bell Hooks respected each other and they were on the same wavelength in a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but Thich Nhat Hanh said the idea is to love such that the person you love feels free. And I'm like, all of that is tied into like freedom is like I, I have freedom because I can set the boundaries I need to set. Right. And without manipulation, you know, I think about this so often, like watching you parent. I'm like, wow, it's so amazing to see how you do it without manipulating. Like you're very straightforward and they are straightforward and back to you. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> you know, in ways that like, um, you know, I want to say this very tenderly, but like we were kids who were spanked and a lot of people in our generation were. were kids who were spanked. And mm-hmm. now we're seeing all these kids who are being raised in generations where their parents are not doing that. And you can really see the difference. Yeah. Both in like what they will, you know, like the things that your kids will do sometimes. I'm like, whoa, you can tell the difference. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I was like, let me hold back my trauma there. Um, but um, you know, but it's also like, wow, like they're yeah. really getting to explore all the edges of who they are and set boundaries. Have you set boundaries and be like, actually, this part is non-negotiable and this is. Yeah. And boundaries also like you can feel the way you feel about it. Yeah. Right. You can be angry and you can kick me out. This is still yeah. you have to be off your phone. And, yeah, exactly. and you can feel however you feel about it. But I, this is still my and I session. I'm going to have it. Literally, you know? I'm in the position of I can turn your phone off if I need to. So like, yes, I am the know, final authority over this. I'm phone. the final authority. I'm the mom. <laughs> well, so that also is part of the toolbox is transparency around power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Transparency around power dynamics feels like such a huge piece. And I feel like it's taken me a while to understand that piece, to learn that piece. Oh, um, you know, I feel like because power dynamics are always shifting, 
But there are certain key, like kind of big things that like you can sit down with someone very early and getting to know them and be like, oh, Mm -hmm. these aspects of our power dynamics relative to these larger scale systems that exist are going to play out in our relationship. And how do we turn and look at them very clearly? How do we name when they're showing up? How do we be in right relationship with the power dynamics of this dynamic, whatever it is? Mm. And I find this shows up a lot with my friends where we'll be going up and down different class places and really trying to be like, okay, how do we stay in right relationship with each other and give each other good advice and feedback and support when it's like, my answer is go get a massage. And, you know, one of my friends might be like, that's not an option for me Literally not in the realm of possibility for me. Financially, Uh, yeah, totally. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I'll cover it. And it's like, well, but then there's a power dynamic that's like, if that happens a lot, you know, then it's like, okay, how do we make sure we're staying in a good place across whatever the power dynamics are related yeah. to money, related to jobs, really, you know, like I have a lot of close friends and family who I work with, you know, and it's like, how do we yeah. stay in right mm-hmm. relationship with each other? And to me, that's the work of sustaining love is being like, let's say what is actually true about the power here between us and how it feels to both of us. And actually, is it possible to have a righteous relationship given that. Right? Yeah, it's so interesting you bring this up too because I think in in romantic relationships this is one of the biggest hurdles, right? Is so. is I navigating so. the way per, I mean particularly the way these um just massive oppressive systems shape our relationships shape our lives and then what whether we are able to orient to that um as members of the same team or not because I think that 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 was my experience right was like these systems are shaping our lives if we're going to orient to the fact that this shaping is here and present then we need to be playing on the same team and we need to be orient with a set of shared values that's right um In intimate relationships, we are politically shaping each other. And I think that's part of the responsibility of those intimate relationships, too. Mm. It's like, oh, we're learning and choosing how we're going to handle this thing together, right? But then how do you change over time? What happens when marriage is on the table, when kids are on the table, when home buying is on the table, when all this other Mm -hmm. stuff shifts? And, you know, I know that I've gone through 30 life paths, right? And And being able to make those choices without kids, I'm like, oh, you know, my politics have actually not shifted. They've gotten more and more radical. Right. I see people all the time be like, how do I hold on to my radical politic while also still making sure I can take adequate care of my kid mm-hmm. and adequate care of, you know, like these these revolutionary structures y'all are talking about don't always exist yet. How do I still, yeah. you know, hold this politics? So those things do shift, but the power dynamics are really important inside of that, right? Because it's right. like, oh, it's it's if you come from a privileged position and under pressure you shift back into privilege, that is, uh, you know, to me that's that's unsustainable. Exactly. You know, in in a in a love story. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's yeah. like it is. It is like the who are you under pressure? Where do you go under pressure? And under mm-hmm. pressure, are you still able to orient to common values or not? And exactly. I think that that to me is 
I, I have had experiences like that inside of romantic relationships, inside of yes. workplaces, inside of friendships, right? Where it's like, yeah, we have this thing that we believe, that we say we believe, yes. but then under pressure, those beliefs and values go out the window and I'm defaulting to whatever is going to give me the most sense of my individual security, which That's means right. that then if we're thinking about, and if I'm thinking about like, uh, if I'm thinking about love as something that is actually the antidote to individualism. That's right. And if I think of individualism as like a one of the root causes of all harm in our society, then like <laughs> then then I have to imagine to myself then sustaining love has to be about sustaining a sense of connection to another person regard yes. and and, a, and not just a connection but a sense of responsibility for another person's life no matter yes. how stressed or under stress or under duress I am That's right. and and that for me feels like what's you know I don't I don't know if there's like a convenient way to summarize the lesson there but but there is a question for me about who who am I going to allow myself to become under pressure so and, I, and what I integrity do I hold Exactly. Well, I think integrity is the is like a huge piece of that word. There's a is there a wholeness? Is there a togetherness that sustains under pressure? And I also think of it as adapting together, right? That it's like, mm -hmm. of course, life is giving us these changes, but if we're like we're side by side rolling through these changes and if I find something out, I want to make sure you also know. If I get a tool and you know this as my sister, I'm like, "Sister, I just heard the next podcast we need to download into the collective <laughs> Sister, exactly. I just read this book and here's everything we need to know, <laughs> you know, um, about it. And like, I feel like with my friend and, and familial and love circles, that's something that really matters to me is being able to be like, we're evolving together. We're adapting together. And mm -hmm. um, part of why I want us to have these tools is so that under pressure, there's not that sense of reverting into a separate place or becoming yeah. enemies, right? Which I think is what happens, you know, it's so hard to go through breakups and not become enemies to each other, right? Mm. When it's like, I'm not trying to become an enemy to you ever. You know, like when I go through friend breakups, when I go through romantic breakups, yeah. for me, it's always like, there's something that's incompatible, incompatible about how you're structured and how I am structured. And it's not sustainable. The only way that I would be able to stay in this would be to cut off, contort, or damage myself in some way. Yes. And so now I must go. Like, that doesn't make you my enemy. It just means I must go. I have to say, this, for me, this feels like it speaks so directly to um, mm. <laughs> the the. My my last breakup experience with yeah, my beloved Melinda um, mm. was so transformative because yeah. ultimately what happened was we decided to end our relationship to sustain love between us. Yes. Right? Like we, we, we had to make this conscious choice at a certain point that like, oh, we are pe two people who care deeply for one another, who right. deeply love each other and deeply regard one another and want what's best for each other. And in yes. order for all of those things to continue to be the case between us, we can't be romantic partners, actually. That's right. right. That's and right. it was such a healing experience for both of us, actually, yeah. to go through that. For me, especially because it was so the opposite of what my previous, my my yeah. other, my my the end of my marriage was 
like the opposite of that. And yeah. it was so beautiful for me to get to have that experience of, oh, this this capacity lives within me, the capacity That's to right. choose love over attachment, you That's know, right. to be able to say That's like, ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like such a huge thing. Like in all of my breakups, I have made the choice while I still loved the person, right? I've been like, I love you. And I see the incompatibility and I see what's going to happen, right? Yes. And it's like, let's call it now because- this is going to hurt and it's going to be hard, but there will be a moment down the line when your your growth has happened and my growth has happened and everything has happened and we get to land into some place where we can look at each other with respect and dignity and be like, I still love you. Yeah, right? And exactly. I love who you are now and I love who you're becoming. And I have friendships of various levels of intimacy with all these people that I've had really intimate, deep, loving relationships with. Right. And- Part of that is because I'm like, oh, I, we didn't wait and strangle the love out of existence right. and try to push past <laughs> that moment, right? Or try to just be angry because it's like when you've made a commitment, you're like, it's not working. It's so easy to be like, I fucking hate you, <laughs> you yeah. know? And it's yeah. just like, oh, no. And it's like, your fault. It's your fault. It's, it's your, your fault. fault. Exactly. Right. Like um, Beyonce, the God, has the line um, – being a victim and a villain at the same time or something like that in one of her mm-hmm. songs. And mm-hmm. I'm like, the victim and the villain thing pops off, right? I feel like that's when you know you're in the danger zone in a relationship when you're looking at the other person as your mm-hmm. as your opposition, as your enemy, as you're, yeah. you're in your head building your narrative against them. You know, like, what the hell? So that brings me to another piece of our toolbox. Do you have something else you want to add there? Just, it makes me think about what you just said. Uh, the, the victim thing villain. That, the, the victim villain thing. Because the thing that came up in my mind and and as you were talking was, and it's never too late to recover from that if there is grace and forgiveness, which then was going to make me think about there. I, when you, when you say what you're going to say next, I do want to find a way to circle back to the role of forgiveness and sustaining love. Great. So, well, I want to talk about therapy and mediation because I think that you know, many of us, we think, oh, sustaining love is this private act that happens behind closed doors <laughs> and we shouldn't let people know when things are hard. Mm-hmm. Um, or we only tell our friends like this shit is hard and we complain to our friends about it, but we don't actually get help from experts who are like, I can help you figure out what is hard and right. get back on the same page, looking at the landscape from a same, a similar perspective mm-hmm. or understanding each other more deeply. And you know, so I, I am so grateful that in two, no, three of my relationships, I've had amazing relationship therapists who really helped me understand the incompatibilities, right? Because yeah. when I fall in love, I put on these like magical glasses and through these magical glasses, mm-hmm. no matter what anyone else is seeing, all I see is the perfection and goodness and like the purity and like the divine light of this person. Like yes. it's all I can see, right? It's really so and beautiful what you see. <laughs> I love it. I'm just like, <laughs> I wish that everyone could see. I mean, this is how I kind of move through the world also, but I'm like, I really wish people could all see you through these glasses. <laughs> and I particularly wish the people I love could see themselves through these glasses. True. But that's a whole nother podcast. But <sighs> therapy helps me to take off the glasses and just be with the person who is a divine, incredible human and who also has these trauma shapings and these structures and these patterns and these beliefs and these needs that may or may not be compatible with mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just helps so much. Like in my last relationship, 
you know, I, I don't want to have a kid. And in my last relationship, I'd really gotten to a place where I was like, yeah, we're, we're going to do it. And my, the relationship therapist mm-hmm. was the one who was like, and how did we get there? Let's and slow how did we down. <laughs> Let's slow down. Let's slow it down and just ask how we got here. Right. And it was like, you and know, your whole like, friends and family were like, what's going on? <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, slow down. Cause you, uh, cause, ba- you, cause you, 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 you don't baby? want that, <laughs> you know, but you know, when you really love someone and you, and that's something that they really want and you got the glasses on, you know, you're totally. just like, it's going to be amazing and it's going to be great. And yeah. somehow I'm still going to write all the books I want to write. It's just going to, it's going to all work out. I don't know. Totally. The glasses will take care of it. But the therapy <laughs> is incredible. And then also mediation. So both with close friends who I deeply love and with exes who I was like, I don't know if we're ever going to find a way back into relationship. Mm-hmm. Mediation has been life-saving. Like I have an ex who like for the longest time I was like, that's it. We're never talking again. Yeah. And now we're trying to be friends and it's kind of great, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. we're like, Hey, we've, we've done all the things and yeah. you did your work and I've done my work. And you know what? I do believe that people can change. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't know. I do think that there's a, an aspect of it that's around forgiveness for me, because when you're in the hard, you know, the really choppy waters of a relationship, in some ways, it easy it, it is easier to just be like, I'm just gonna throw the whole thing overboard, like, yeah. and and I'm you know like I'm just gonna land in the part of the narrative where like, fuck you completely, get off right. my boat, yeah. And so there's something that has to be like, wait, hold on, can I actually hold that there was complexity? Can I hold that I was showing up in this? Can I hold mm. the choices I made to be in and stay in this? Can I hold my own shaping that allowed me to receive harm or allowed me to be harmful? Can I hold all of it yeah and then and then for me that's when forgiveness comes back into the room right Mm. if i can be with the complexity of all of it then i can see that person in their humanity as opposed to the evil villain right who who is like causing me this harm then i'm like they shrink back down to a human-sized thing (laughs) and i'm like oh you're a human being impacted by human things. And maybe mm-hmm. we're not compatible as lovers or as friends or as coworkers or whatever it is. Right. But here's how I, how do I actually feel about you? You know, can I still see what was good about you? And I also want to say that for me, the forgiveness has to do with being done with the patterns of manipulation or the patterns of harm or the patterns of mm. gaslighting or the patterns of, you know, whatever the dynamics, like, cause they, that's what happens in relationships when they start to go awry is like all these control mechanisms start playing out. And I think it happens for everybody. <laughs> but like I've seen this play out so many times where I'm like, ooh, that person is acting wild. But then when it's brought out in the other person is a control beast. Or, you know, like mm. it's like we we take on these shapes, right? That are like, oh my God, <laughs> that's not the shape I meant to be in. Mm. I feel like the mediation, the therapy and time, time does what almost none of the other things can do. Get us back to a place where it's like, are you willing to set down that harmful mm-hmm. behavior towards me? Yeah. That harmful behavior, that way of being in the world. I'm willing to set down anything that I was doing that was causing you harm. And, you know, and let's move forward. And there are definitely some places where I'm like, I don't know if a person will ever move past these patterns of behavior. Yeah. It's, so it's like, that doesn't mean I don't love them. <laughs> yeah. This is, it's this, it's such an interesting territory. Um, yeah. I think for me, my most, like some of my most powerful experiences with forgiveness are like entirely internal and have nothing to do with 
Talk any, about they, it. They have nothing to do with anything that's happened on the other side of the dynamic, right? It's it oh, is that's good. Yeah, it is about the like what what you know as you were naming the you know when there's been a release from the pattern of manipulation, gaslighting, you know, or whatever. Yes. You know, for me, when I've been able to experience that sort of powerful sense of oh, I'm not holding anything anymore related to this and it has nothing to do with you or whether you have changed it has everything to do with me and how I understand what happened and how I understand who I am now and I'm no longer attached to the version of myself that was in that story I'm no longer Mm. attached to that story as something that defines my life you know I mean like that's that's been one of the deep things for me to notice over the years is like what's what are the stories that I tell now about things that happened three three years ago whereas like three years ago the story I was telling was a really different framing you know yes and and so to me there is something in the it's actually this integrity thing that you were talking about earlier too. It's yeah. like it's like I've actually integrated the lesson mm-hmm. that that you came into my life to teach to teach me, me. exactly right? exactly the lesson is learned. I got it, so right. I no longer need to har- hold you in in contempt for being the teacher. <laughs> right, and I think that like when we're talking yeah. about sustaining love, it does help. I think maybe the reason why it felt important to me to bring in Mm. grace and forgiveness is that it's important for us to not lose sight of how mysterious and mystical and and unknown love really is as a force in the universe. It's like you were saying, I think, yesterday during our keynote about how love is like gravity. You know, it's like, like, you know, and, and I think that for that reason, too, it's like we can think about ourselves as people who are like doing things that either sustain love or don't sustain love and do, do, yes. do, 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 do you know, like we, I love I, that we, we think of our, you know, we're always thinking of ourselves as like individual actors in the stories of our lives, but That's also right. it just, love just is, you know, yeah. so we're either, we're either acting in alignment with like the unknown mystery mystical thing that is love or maybe we're not (laughs) but and it's also it's I mean for me it's also really helpful to have a sense of like okay so love as gravity things fall to earth right like gravity like has the right relationship for some stuff and for others it's like "Mm, sorry you're gonna crash like that's the end right and that doesn't mean there's not still a sustaining role like that thing's gonna crash into earth and then disintegrate disintegrate into the earth and be eaten and become food and become life right and I feel like the same thing happens with love like I had um a very dear friend of mine when I went through a breakup like 10 years ago or something I was like you know I was wasting my time and she was like you are never wasting your time when you're loving when you're loving like that love is all generated inside of you and you are learning so much about your capacity to love you're growing your capacity to love and you're loving yourself by taking the risk of opening this heart up. And like, wow. that's all good learning. And that you get to keep that and take it with you. And it was such a game changer because I never feel regret about my love. Like yeah. love that I've offered yeah. to people, love that I've experienced with people. I'm like, sure, it ended. And like, that's sad and that's hard. 
But like, oh, I'm so, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, I'm so grateful I got the experience of being completely swept off my feet and being proposed to in front of people I loved and like loving, you know, like I'm grateful for every love story. beautiful proposal. It's beautiful, right? And I was like with someone who was like, I think of romantic, big, beautiful things to do. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. And I can access all the good like I'm like just because it had to end doesn't mean it wasn't incredible and that's all of my love stories are like that so I think there's something about that it's like the force of love it's it if you let it be a generative thing it's like okay now the container is shifting like now the container is shifting but like that's okay because all that love that got generated in me like I'm even more powerful with love than I've ever been before Mm. like I let myself love more broadly and more sustainably in some ways than I've ever loved before. And I knew when the most sustainable thing to do was choose myself. Right. Right? So I also have been saying this all summer long that I'm like, there's also something about sustaining love that is like attending to the self in the present moment. Like I am, I am the great love story of my own life. We are all the great love story of our own lives. And my job at all times is to be loving myself in the present. And then to see like Eartha Kitt said, like, who wants to come and share that with me from loving themselves? And mm-hmm. it's really beautiful to, I love getting older because you start meeting people who are like, oh, we know it's not this one time story. It's going to be yeah. many love stories. And like, tell me your love stories. Tell me your love stories. I love, I recently got to hear from two friends who like have been in trying to land a love story for almost a decade and they're finally landing it. <laughs> and it was like, Wow. I'm so happy about this. It was so titillating to hear. And I was like, Shit, I've been watching them. <laughs> you know, I've been like, I don't understand why y'all don't just go ahead and get it popping. But, you know, <laughs> they had to figure it out, right? And, um, you know, I think I love that aspect too. That I'm like, oh, it's it's there's something about how people love themselves mm-hmm. and like let that show that yeah. allows a different kind of love to be possible in the collective field. Right. It's like, I want to be ready. I think ready. that's what Bell Hooks was talking about. It's like, we all need to be able to return to love. That needs to be something that we're practicing and capable of and, and actively, actively in, right? Um, that's deep to the like idea of also like, I don't know. I'm just thinking of the two friends, you yes. know, loving from afar and yes. taking their time. I think about that two of you might have people in your life where you're like yeah I would want to be more ready than I am now to be in that to be in that you know I would want to be able to and and to me that's why gosh crushes are so important and powerful I've been talking (laughs) to my kids about this lately about how like I've been like really lean into the absolute dynamism of having a crush especially a crush who doesn't know that you're crushed out on them like there is nothing like that feeling of just being like I can't stop thinking about you and you have no idea (laughs) you know it's like it's (laughs) it's such a special kind of love you know get to like exactly just I don't know be in dreamy magic land but like with no consequences it's so cool I know someone someone just confessed a crush to me by sending me a meme that was like having a crush is so hard because why can't I think about anything fucking else? Like let wow. me please let me think about something else. And I was like, oh, do go on. <laughs> um, but you know, I also love I'm like one of the things I'm learning is being like, yeah, have a crush on me. Like 
that's good and nourishing for my self-love work, even if I don't need to react to totally. it or even if I don't need to act on it. Yes. I'm like, you should have a crush on me. I'm fine as fuck. I'm smart as fuck. I'm living my best life. Like, I'm delicious. Totally. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> you know? So, but I also think there's something around mm, the standard raising, right? And I just want to say that as the sustaining love toolbox, as we come to an end of, of what we have to offer in it, I think there's something around, like, each love story should raise your standard for yourself. Mm. If you're in one love story that lasts for a long time, hopefully between you, you keep raising the standard of what it means to be loving yourselves and loving each other and creating yeah. a field of love. And again, the more we all learn to practice and do this for ourselves and with each other and with our friends, with others, we actually impact what is possible for the field of love in the world. It stops being a theoretical future place that we hope to generate and it becomes something that's possible in the present because we're loving every day mm-hmm. and I think that's what we, we want to be up to mm, I love it 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 um, I do want to give you all homework which is to listen to we're going to drop this link which in Sage Trump sent to me we're going to drop it in the show notes and it is um, a recording of Rochelle Farrell and Layla Hathaway with Lettucey and Rasan Patterson singing Love is All Around. And it's a live performance from April of 2011. And I promise you that if you feel like, I don't know what's going on with love, I can't quite feel it. <laughs> if you put this on and you just listen and watch how they, how they look at each other, how they sing with each other, how they breathe together, the song goes on and on and on. And every time I'm feeling a little lost, I put it on and I listen. And by the end, I'm like, all right, love is all around. Mm -hmm. Like, I have Mm -hmm. to bring my attention to it because it is all around. Yes. Right? So go, that's your homework for this episode is to really listen to it. I love it when you assign homework. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to start doing it more. I feel like it's something we need more of in this world. I have so much homework to give people. <laughs> You're like, how did I miss my um, career as a school teacher? Um, yeah, I'm like, especially, yeah, I want one of those pointer things where I'm like, and this is, I'm pointing at the chalkboard. Yes, yes. So you need like a chalkboard a and a pointer. Yeah, or you could get anyway. one of those little laser pointers. Um, it's not okay. as fun. I want something that's like, you can hear it in the air. Okay. Let's now, do a top quick, culture, sister. quick, quick top culture. Oh. Um, oh, very quick. I, uh, God, <laughs> why I so am quick? such a nerd. I, that's why it has to be quick. Is that because what I'm about to say is so nerdy. Um, I just read Fire and Blood, which is the oh. basically like a, you know, genealogy of the Seven Kingdoms. 300 years before the events of A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. R. Martin. Um, is it the Dim Dragons story? Is Dim Dragons. Um, is it- <laughs> but actually, what's what's annoying about it is you get to the end of Fire and Blood, which is like, I don't know, it's a really long book. It's like, you can see what I'm doing. It's oh, like wow. this thick. It's really big. It's the size of her head, y'all. It's like the size of my head. And then you get big, to the end head. and you realize that he's only covered half of the Targaryen reign. Oh, crap. And so there's what a whole going on in his other head? book that's supposed to, he hasn't even finished writing it yet. It's just like, yeah, no. God, why are we having, like, why am I so obsessed with this book series? And also why, 
why am I having to wait for forever? <laughs> to read but I will say book. that there is a there is an alignment here, and I don't know if you've already seen this or not, between George R. R. Martin and Beyonce um, Giselle Knowles. And I feel like people <laughs> don't make this comparison enough, but like these are both people who are like prolific creators and have given us a shit ton of content. I mean, yes. like like so if much you content. stack all the books that he's written up, they're taller than uh people right yeah so like it's a lot of work and yet it doesn't feel like enough and yet it doesn't feel like and yet it doesn't feel like enough which is also the Beyonce thing where I'm like she's giving you so many albums of clothing lines children visuals (laughs) all this stuff right and people are like why are you complaining incredible album and people are like where's the video where's the video I was like Oh my okay. god! And I just feel okay. like she and George R. R. Martin should sit down I, and be like, "It's so hard to create at a pace that feeds our, I, our audience." I see. I see your point. Thanks. What's yeah. your top culture? <laughs> so my top culture. So last night, <laughs> last night. So my friend, my friend. Um, uh, well, I'll lay her nameless, but one of my friends sent me this meme that was like, "The freest people in the world are single women." Those are the only people who are come close to the freedom that married men have. And we were sitting there raging and raging and raging about it, right? Because it's just like, why is patriarchy still like this? But yeah, then so last ugly. night I had one of these. I was like, I am one of the freest people. And I had one of those free people nights where I was just like, what do I want to do tonight? And yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, I'm free. Like, what the fuck? So I went and got my nails did. I, they were amazing. And then I made myself this gorgeous steak salad. And then I was feeling kind of like rende rende. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to write my Izogi fan fiction. And I wrote a fan fiction that was so freaking hot, I almost slipped off my couch. Like, it was so sexy. And I was like, oh, my God. I think that I might need to do, like, a whole separate place online where I just write fan fiction erotica of, like, major things that don't have the right This is me clapping and also all of your fans who are ready to do more things in response. I'm like, you guys, I'm really good at writing erotica. And so that the top cultural moment was like, like it, the experience I've had of, of now having two dates with a Zogi, um, which is what I call it when I go to the theater and watch the movie. Um, and being like, you know, how do I have more experiences? Have you seen it yet? I'm going tomorrow night. I had this. I'm, I I'm had taking small- I'm taking myself on a solo date to see the woman. Thing. I really if I could fly over I know. there, I would fly over there and I go know. see it with you. Um, maybe I'll just go see it a third time just so we can see it at the same time. And then you can call me right after and be like, I see what you mean. Yes. Uh, yes but you yes. can't fall in love with Izogi. You have to pick one of the other people. Okay. okay. Um, Got you. No, actually, there's enough Izogi for everyone because <laughs> it's imaginary. Yeah, okay. it's literally so, in your imagination. <laughs> I know, but the Izogi of my imagination is very loyal to me. Um, and okay. I am her so- I'm her singer, singer, griot, drummer. Um, anyway, and it's sustaining, building up. It's building sustaining up. love is also about freedom inside of our imaginations holy lord yes that i'm the most polyamorous <laughs> imagination of all <laughs> anyway i have so many loves except with izogi right. <laughs> well all because right. only in my imagination izogi like it it takes a lot in the story for me to get izogi to open to me but when she does it's like oh right. Oh, i see i see <laughs> i was yeah. like see none of us will be a husband we won't be breaking the rules come on let's go <laughs> all right um you'll understand when you see it <laughs> i'm so in love with her Thank you for listening to our show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC. We're also on Facebook at End of the World Show. I just want to point out to people that I'm literally giddy over this character. You literally um, are. It's not even like I'm like, blushing. 
Like it's not, it's, I'm not, it's I don't not know what even, to do. It doesn't make any sense, but it does. You'll see, you'll see. You'll see. You'll go see it. You can make a sustaining donation to my giddiness and the awesomeness of everything that we're doing here by visiting our page <laughs> at patreon.com slash end of the world show. Another incredible thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are an iPhone person. Thanks. What was that? I just started making fun of me. I, I decided to, talk to change register. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that felt a little... That felt a little weird. <laughs> I'm just like, trying. I felt like you were like just, talking trying, like a squirrel. I'm, I'm just trying. Okay. It out. Well, how to survive <laughs> the end of the world is produced and edited by the incomparable Zach Rosen and transcribed by Jess Pinkham and Sarah Rubbins Breen. Music for today's show comes from Tunde Alani Ron and Mother Cyborg. <laughs> um, we love y'all. We're glad you made it this far. Keep going. Yay! Wow, I kissed. Okay. Wow, I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Arr.